I can never get over what a blessing it is to be led in worship in the spirit. Isn't that great? Yeah. I was blessed with the words this morning after one of the songs. Uh, as for God, his way is perfect, it says in 1 Samuel 22. And I've read it, I'm sure, several dozen times, if not hundreds of times. But when I got this cancer, uh, you know, a lot of people write to you and they're sweet, most of them. And uh, they say, I'm praying for you, I love you. Uh, you know, take these pills and you'll be fine. And then uh, some of them get pretty aggressive. They say, if you were really a man of God, you would uh, not have this illness and uh, sweet stuff, you know. And, uh, but you, you, you understand people. But the verse struck me. Somebody in their many letters, they, I love it when they send Bible verses, you know. And uh, my mom used to do that. She was... Any question you ask, she answered with a Bible verse. She didn't know anything else. And that was pretty good. And, uh, but this one came to me. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. Same verse. Interesting. Connecting the word. But that one, when we were singing the first one, I think it was uh, when I walked in. And then when we were singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I'd never known that one till I came to the USA. And at Multnomah, where I studied and my wife and I met, they sang it often. And I was in the back and I saw, I saw a brother that is not in the best of physical shapes. It wasn't me, somebody else. And I saw him as we were singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, raise his hand, and he was trembling. Uh, it really is touching to know that we have a faithful God. And as for God, his way is perfect. And he deals with each one of us a little differently than from everybody else. I think that's to keep us on our toes, you know. Uh -huh. Maybe there are other reasons, but that's a good one. And uh, it, it really is good to see the Lord at work in your life. The Apostle Paul in Timothy, this is not a sermon, this is just how are you. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, Paul says that God allowed an enemy, uh, uh, an enemy of Satan to attack him. He allowed it. And he was St. Paul. He wasn't St. Louis. St. Paul, you know. And uh, three times I begged the Lord to take it. And the Lord said, no. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, the power of God is tremendous. And he can do whatever he wants. And uh, he heals all your... Yes, amen. He heals all your diseases, and says in Psalm 103. Sometimes he does it miraculously. Dave was telling us a story before prayer this morning about a nine-year-old boy with an incredibly tumor right in his back. And yet overnight the Lord healed him. And then there's others that the Lord lets them linger for years, you know. And then uh, the Lord uses doctors and medicine to heal. One of the things I've been meditating on when a few people come at you, you know, with, where's your faith? Hey, I'm short on faith, man. Uh, the... Uh, that, you know, when we thank the Lord for dinner or for lunch, I usually thank him. And uh, I'm sure you do too. But I often think the Lord gives you the food and the fruit. But it takes about 10 people between him and my sitting down to eat it that he uses to bring that food to my mouth. Uh-huh. The farmer who has to clean his farm and sow the seed and then wait for the rain and, and then get the Mexican guys to come and, you know, uh, uh, sneak under the wall and uh, to, to quote the president. Don't, don't forget it. Forget it. That, I shouldn't have gotten into that one. 
Uh, Anyway, they get the food. Then they package it. They wash it. They put it in packages. Somebody else gets a computer and puts the price and the weight of it. And then they, some trucker takes it over to Safeway. And then my wife or I go to Safeway, buy the stuff, take it to the Palau kitchen. I mean, we thank the Lord for the food. He gave it to us. But he uses 10 people in between. And I thought, the same the Lord does. I, my two doctors, my, this is a little lesson on the side as a result of the worship. Uh, the, the, my two doctors are not believers yet. But I always, whenever they tell me, the last time my oncologist sees that lady that I told you about, uh, I say, well, praise the Lord, he used you again. And she goes, <laughs> you know, she, uh, the, the fellow who's a regular, what do they call him? A regular long-term doctor, you know. Uh, he also is not a believer, but the nicest guy. I want him in heaven so badly, the two of them. Uh, but uh, when I, <laughs> I tell him, you know, the Lord uses you all the time. And he speaks to me through you. He goes, me? Who am I? This is the first time anybody told me this, you know. And he's a bright guy. But uh, why was I telling you that? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, that the Lord uses doctors and nurses and medicine. It's the Lord who does the healing. I'll finish with this not a Bible verse, but a good line. A doctor friend of mine said to me in Ecuador, he's in heaven now. He said, Luis, I do the surgery, but God does the healing. Isn't that great? It's a good balance. What do you think, Mike? You don't have to agree with me. He's a theologian, you know. I'm just a dumb evangelist. And, uh, but uh, anyway, oh, I want to confess my sins before you. Uh, I, yesterday, I promised Dave... He's a good guy, but his, he makes, uh, you know, his name is Burns. Dave, and when he gets mad, he burns. And uh, that's his last name. And uh, he, he was upset with me yesterday because he said, you didn't go and autograph. And it's true. See, I'm getting old. I need an assistant. The first and, part of that is not true. <laughs> he's burning still. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, on fire. He even gets loud, out of control. Mike, are you going to let him do this? You mustn't allow this stuff to go on. This is Mount Hermon. You've only, you've only been here five years. Get a hold of this guy, you know? He should have gone to sleep in the old bathroom that you destroyed over there. Yeah, for punishment. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm really, this is bad. I'm confusing you. But uh, I'm so glad they got rid of that old bathroom. Huh? It's gone, right? The other night I was sitting there and said, good, somebody knocked it down and it was them. I think it's a great project to have the outlook, what do you call it now? Overlook, overlook. It's going to be hard to remember that one. But anyway, <laughs> overlook something or other. And uh, uh, all this, this group in particular apparently is going to be blessed. So if the Lord leads you to give, do it. It's worth it. I mean, you know, the people who built this and that and over that, I've enjoyed it all my life. So keep on doing it for the next generation. Okay, what else did I want to say? Yeah, so I will go this morning, whether Burns burns or not, I will go and autograph the books. I really apologize. Sincerely, I forgot. It's the one good thing about being old, you can always blame old age. Yeah, yeah. I never, oh yeah, poor old guy. And then I got cancer on top of it. Oh, they just kissed me, you know. It's, it's wonderful, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I just saw there's two booklets back there 
for giveaways for those of you who won't buy the other book. This one is, <laughs> this one is evangelistic. What is a real Christian? The Lord has really honored it in many languages. So you might use it to give away to somebody and say, I know an idiot called Luis Palavati wrote this thing. Here, read it. See what you think of it. And the Lord may use it for his glory. So I uh, get a hold of it. It's for free back there. Take them. I don't want to take them back to Portland. Uh-huh. And then, okay. Somebody said to me today, I sat at breakfast with a group of very funny people. Strange, actually. Californians. And... Uh, <laughs> They, uh, one of them had a hat that said Cal. And I thought, oh, no, a pagan. You know, uh, I said, well, you Davis? He said, no. Uh, it was actually, um, well, I hate to have to say it, you know, because I don't see what he's doing here. Berkeley. Can you imagine? Some of you old timers remember Berkeley? All the drugs came into California. You have no shame, you people. I mean, you people, you know. I mean, you brought the drugs into California, destroyed the... I would hide that hat, and, you know, under the ground, at, you know, somewhere, you know. But this fellow bragging at breakfast. And then his buddy and his wife on the other side, they sent their daughter to Davis. How bad can you get, you know? And then the, yeah, the fellow next to me, Stanford, bad football team, Oregon beat them. You know, I mean... And these guys sit there bragging like this is a big deal. You know, come to Oregon and get an education, will you? Ah, yeah, yeah. And get beaten real good at football. My wife, don't talk to my wife. She's Oregonian and she's mad. I mean, she, she'll pull your eyes out if you get very, very... But one of those fellows, the wife whose daughter was sent to Davis, and she's still a Christian, uh, it's a surprise, uh, he said to me, hey, Luis, Heaven is a gated community. I never thought of that. Hey, that's a good idea. I got something for my radio program. I'm running out of stuff, you know. Uh, after 25 years, you, you don't have much more new to say. That's a new one. Heaven is a gated community, and the password is Jesus Christ, just in case you didn't know it. So if you want to get in there, push the right buttons and believe in Jesus Christ. Let's have a prayer, even though thank you for praying. Let's pray. Lord, it's so good to be with this group of your children and have such a great time like we've had already this weekend. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That is because of you that we can sing, we can laugh, and we can also cry. As my brother was doing back there, who is not in the best of physical shapes, but obviously loves you. So thank you, our Father, that you're a faithful God. You are a great God. Your way is perfect. Your word is flawless. So as we read it, speak to us, we pray, O oh Lord, for the glory of your name and for the good of many people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning I'd like to, in uh, 30 minutes, uh, give you two thoughts. One is the joy of the Lord, and the second one is, so why is it that so many believers and not seem to be enjoying the joy of the Lord. And it's the problem is, why is sin such a big deal and what to do about it? All that in 30 minutes, that takes the power of the Lord. Uh -huh. And we want to read several passages, at least I want to. And the first one is in 1 Samuel chapter 15. 
And let's read verses 12 to 31. You know, reading the Word of God is one of the things we got to keep alive. And uh, we need to do more of it, especially the Word of the Lord in fellowship with other believers. There's something about listening to the Word of God in a congregation that is a little different from doing it on your own. There's something about the fellowship of the church. So, you got 1 Samuel chapter 15, and what did I say? 12 to 31. It's self-explanatory, and most of you know the Bible very well, so you know the context about Saul and Samuel, Saul, the first king of Israel, Samuel, the prophet. Here we go. The Lord sent in verse, uh, let's read 11. God says, I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. Wow. And has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, Saul now, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the instructions of the Lord. But Samuel said, what then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this howling of cattle that I hear? Lowing, that is. Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. Uh, they spared the best of the sheep and, you know, the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And then he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until they have been wiped out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers, yes, the soldiers took sheep and cattle, uh, you know, for the plunder. The, the rest was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And here comes the clincher. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. We'll stop right there, though the whole chapter is worth rereading the whole concept. Now, keep a finger or a marker there, and let's go for a second to uh, Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3, and read about the joy of the Lord. Philippians chapter 3. And let's just read verses, let's see, 20, 320, 
into 4-7. Okay? Listen to this beautiful thing. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Will transform our lowly bodies. So that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintik, I don't know how to pronounce that one, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to anyone. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have a little hard time reading little tiny letters. Uh, since my chemo, my eyes are not at my best. So be a little patient with me, especially this one Bible. I like it because it's full of notes. It's a Schofield Bible. Yeah, that's my wife's maiden name, Pat Schofield. So I'm stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> But the, the first section in these few moments is to remind you of what we as old timers, and yeah, there's the young couple, he's been after me, he's a tough guy, and he sits up front and gives me a dirty look, but he's, he's, he's a good new Christian, yeah, he's sort of following in the steps of our son Andrew, uh, you know, so it's, he's going through it, no, he's over that, and he has a good wife, uh, we had a nice long talk and he threatened me, um, but... Um, <laughs> Most of us look like we are way over. And um, we must remember that we ourselves can be filled with the joy of the Lord. And that the younger generations are watching us. So, so you go to church every Sunday, fine. What's your church? First Baptist, Timbuktu. And, uh, okay, mine's First Presbyterian, and yours is Bible Church. And fine. But are you rejoicing in the Lord? Yeah. Old-timers can be cranky, you know. The music is too loud. The singer screeches, you know. Um, the pastor comes with dirty jeans uh, that haven't been washed in three weeks, you know. And they don't even fix their beard. They just have a beard. And, uh, and you get upset, you know. Some people at our church, when you come in, if you're dressed casual, they say, would you go and see the Queen of England dressed like that? I say, hey, the Lord saw me showering this morning. Uh, yeah, so oh, I don't have to impress him, okay? Yeah, the Queen of England, I have to impress her. But the Lord, he's not impressed by Louis Palooey. I mean, let, let's face it, you know. But we're old and we have our habits and we feel St. Paul wore a tie all the time, you know. And uh, so therefore, uh, we, we can be cranky. And in fact, it's a sort of a common thing among pastors. The most dangerous people in church... Guess who they are? Not the teenagers. Us. Me. 
Good old Louis, you know, and you, Marie, or whatever, you know. Uh, but we are expected after 40, 50, some of us 70 years of knowing the Lord, that we would be the most cheerful and joyful people in the world, yes? Yeah, you know, not too convinced, huh? Yeah, yes. We, the young people look at us and they say, now, Grandpa talks a big line and he goes to Russia and a crowd of people meet him, but is he happy? Is he really joyful? Does he really trust the Lord? And there are three things I'd like to, and then we're going to move on. Why is it so many believers don't seem to be enjoying their Christian life and enjoying their walk with God? The first thing, of course, is the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is, is used in several passages. You know, I love the one, of course, in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, joy number two. Love is number one. Everybody talks about love, and they got a good video. I want to borrow a copy and sell it, you know, uh, about love, 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 love. That was very good. You've got some creative stuff on the, on, the, on the thing, yeah. If you're as good about building a new building as you are about that, it's going to be a good building, yeah. But uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. So joy uh, is, is a spiritual experience. Happiness is more the soul. Even unbelievers can be happy because their soul, you know, can be happy. And if they see a good show, they're happy. And if they have a good picnic, they're happy. And if they found a beautiful wife, they're happy. Uh, but joy is an experience that comes from the Holy Spirit because it affects our spirit, not the soul. And, and to be cheerful is, is a soulish thing and a beautiful thing. The ideal, of course, is to be having fun, to be happy, and to be joyful, all three at once. Man, you're exploding. And Christians can experience that far more than non-believers. Often when I go, I'm in a hotel and you go by the bar at about 9 o'clock at night, the noise coming out of the bar is incredible. But the people are all cackling with who knows what joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you heard it? It's so annoying. They're cackling like chickens. And uh, the chickens cackle? Anyway, whatever they do, they sound like chickens all together. And they're just drinking and they think they're funny and somebody tells some stupid joke. But we believers, we walk right by. We don't need to take a joint or something just to enjoy happiness and to be joyful in Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is your Hey, there's Bible study fellowship people here. I'm, I'm always frightened far more than pastors uh, of the BSF people. But anyway... Jesus said in John 15, and he says it so many times, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete in the NIV. So the Lord wants us completely joyful. You feel like saying, Lord, come on, completely joyful. Yes, I want you to be completely joyful. And you know, our grandkids are looking, the young people in the church are watching. Are we a blessing when we walk in to the fellowship of the local church, or when we are in the family, that they would see in me and in you the joy of the Lord, which is a spiritual thing, but it translates into a certain freedom, a certain joy. Like when we were singing a few seconds, or somebody was, uh, uh, singing about, you know, the joy of the Lord, and how as long, all my life long, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life long, even in old age, my wife said, stop talking about old age. Well, we've got old people. Why not? You know? Uh, uh, so uh, in old age, uh, we can still be singing. We may not sing too well and a shaky voice and shaky hands. And uh, we're not the greatest singers, but we sing. My mom used to sing till she was old. 
And uh, we were embarrassed because she was not a good singer. But she loved the Lord and the neighbors heard her. And that was the whole point, I think. She was evangelizing while singing and washing clothes. This was in the old days in Argentina. But the joy of the Lord is a spiritual experience. And people expect old believers to be the most super joyful because we're renewed every day. And after 60 years of daily renewal, man, the joy ought to be oozing out of us. And, and the people need to see it. And the young ones are watching. Are these old timers really joyful in the Lord? Or is that just the religion that they got from their grandparents and they're passing it on to us? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So make it a point. Number two, there's what the Bible calls in one spot, the joy of your salvation. The joy of your salvation. And you know, it, when you think about it, I like that little phrase today. Heaven is a gated community. That's great, Vance. He, he had to go to... He sent his daughter to Davis to get that point. But it was, it was worth it. Heaven is a gated community. And uh, it's because salvation is a great, wonderful gift. And Jesus Christ on the cross, taking away our sins on his own body and giving his blood so that you and I, sinners, could by repentance and faith obtain the assurance of the key into that gated community and even enjoy the beginning of it right here on planet earth. Salvation, saved from guilt by the atonement of the cross. Sometimes it's been so many years, I was 12 when the Lord came into my life, but I still never forget. And that's why it's so good to go to communion if you can. Our church, when I became an elder with a bunch of others, we turned the whole thing and we have communion every Sunday at our church, not every quarter or every six months. And it's a good reminder every Sunday Jesus died for me on the cross, and I've known him since I was 12 years old, and my sins are forgiven, and my conscience is clear, not because I'm perfect, <laughs> far from it, but because of the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, I, I, as I was a young guy, I decided I was going to leave two or three books till the end of the line. And it was Leviticus, which is kind of a hard book. But now I've got it. I can tell you all about it. And uh, Ezekiel I still haven't tackled. And then Revelation and Hebrews. Hebrews I've loved all through my life. In our church, in communion, they were always talking about the book of Hebrews because uh, it's, uh, it's a great book. But uh, the, the fact is this. The atonement purified our conscience. And that's why we can sing and laugh and be free and worship and sing with a clear conscience because we have been saved with a, from the guilt of sin by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. That's part of the joy of the Lord. The second thing about salvation is reconciliation. You know, we beg you in the name of Christ, be reconciled to God. And we are reconciled to God. And unless we rebel, and we'll hopefully have a few seconds to look into that. But reconciliation is another wonderful gift that God did the reconciling work again on the cross so that we could approach him with freedom and go behind the veil, it says in Hebrews. We can enter before the throne. You know, there was an old line that I haven't heard in ages. In fact, I don't know that I ever heard it. I read it in the old Puritan books about that people would say, I'll meet you at the throne. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah, it's a good one. I'll meet you at the throne. So, you know, a missionary can be in Africa, and I'm in Oregon, and you're in Pagan, uh, whatever, uh, Bay Area, and, uh, you, uh, and we can meet at the throne in the presence of the Lord. 
you know, I'll meet you at the throne. It's a one, because in the spirit, you enter behind the veil, even now, in the spirit, in prayer, and we meet before the throne of God. It's a wonderful thought and a very biblical and a very real thing. But reconciliation, God rescued us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, because it's written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Thirdly, in the joy of the Lord, is that we are saved by regeneration, by being reborn. That subject has always got me since I was a kid, that when you receive Christ, you become a new person altogether. The missionaries used to repeat this verse hundreds of times, and the local preachers picked it up from the missionaries, and I picked it up from the preachers when I was a little kid. If anyone, this was in Spanish, of course, but if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And you know, it's one of the most glorious experiences when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ and he really comes into your life. It's revolutionary. And you are actually, therefore, regenerated. You're a new person. And I've made a list and I'll just read it as quickly as I can. What does it mean to become a new person that the old is gone and the new has come? As a little boy, I would sit in the front row. They forced me to do it, so I had to listen. And I was good. I learned a lot of doctrine uh, by listening to preachers. But listen to this. What does it mean, the old is gone, the new has come? One or two of you, Dave, don't you act? You should have heard me the last time I was here. But once I was lost, now I am found. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was dead, now I am alive. Once I was a slave... Now I am free. Great, huh? Number five. Once I was empty, now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Once I was in darkness, now I'm in the light. Once I was in the kingdom of Satan, now I'm in the kingdom of God. Once I was guilty, now I'm forgiven. Is that staggering? But it's not the end. There's more. Once I was in a slimy pit, now my feet are on the rock. Once I was condemned... Now I'm exonerated. Once I was a loser, now I'm a winner by Jesus Christ. Once I was hopeless, now I live with expectation. Is that staggering or what? Huh? But there's more. If anyone is in Christ, how does it say? My sight needs to be helped. Uh -huh. Once I was on my way to hell, now I'm on my way to heaven. Once I was under the curse, now I've been rescued from the curse. Once I was rebellious, now I have surrendered. Once I was on my own, now God answers my prayers. Hey, that's pretty staggering, isn't it, huh? That's what it means to be a new creature in Christ. Furthermore, once I was dirty, now I am holy and want to be holier more, more so. Once I was a beggar, now I'm a child of God. Once, oh wow, once I was an enemy of God, now I'm a friend of Jesus Christ. Once I was a selfish wretch, now I live to help other people. That's what it means to be reborn and the old is gone and the new has come. Is that exciting or what? Dave, is that exciting? Yes, it is. And you know, the reason we are joyful is because all this is so true. And it's ours as the gift of God from the day we opened our heart to Jesus Christ. Then the salvation is also, Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice. And you've got to learn to, and let our grandchildren and other people who watch us rejoice. Our names are written in heaven. 
And that's where we're going when we leave this planet Earth and go to be, go to be with the Lord. I'm going to hurry up here. But number three, there's the joy of a fruitful life. Not only is the Lord merciful to forgive us, to do all these things and more than I just read to you in my little old slip of paper there from the Bible, but also that the Lord gives you and me the privilege of bringing fruit. And last night, I think Dave read the psalm, one something or other, uh, 90 something, yeah, 90 what? 92, yeah. They shall bring fruit even in old age. Hey, old boys. Even you, Davis, and whatever, Stanford, and all the rest of you who belong to Jesus Christ. Even in old age, we can bring fruit for the glory of God. And the neighborhood is watching. I know they are in mine, and they're in yours too, even though you may not notice it. You may wonder if they even notice you, except when you walk your dog. But the fact is that they are watching. They should see in us a fruitfulness by the grace of God that we love them, that we care for them, that we do enjoy serving and, 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 and walking with the Lord. Now, tribulations, are, the only negative thing that I find in Christianity is persecution. I mean, that's the only thing that I can detect, that there will be troubles in the world. You'll have tribulation and among them persecution. Some brothers and sisters right now, I spend quite a bit of time in intercession for persecuted Christians. I feel such a burden because I'm such a coward myself. I don't know what I'd do if I lived in certain countries where there's real vicious persecution. But, you know, to pray for each other as though we ourselves were being persecuted, the Apostle Paul says, by the Holy Spirit. And so that we can be fruitful believers, you know, and that we will bring fruit and that brings joy with it. The, the, the joy of just being used of God in other people's lives. Even a passing comment can be used by the Holy Spirit in, 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 in a beautiful way but for His glory. I'm going to stop right there, though if I had a little more time I would have gone on. But the concept of the joy of the Lord is so real. I think what I've already given you in the last 15 minutes should remind you that being a follower of the Lord Jesus and being a child of God with the Holy Spirit and dwellings is one of the most, the only glorious thing on planet earth that's really superb and that we can be. But if this is so, all this once I was this, now I am that, the joy of the Lord, uh, uh, answered prayer so that your joy may be complete, the fruitfulness, the joy of fruitfulness. Why are too many believers not seem to be enjoying that? I'm not saying here. It seems to me that most everybody I've met over here seems to be having a wonderful time and enjoying the only thing I used to say when I was younger, and I'll say it in my old age one more time, the, the only thing that can kill your joy is not your mother-in-law. She's probably dead anyway. But, uh, uh, you know, the only thing that can kill your joy is not even your spouse. The only thing that can kill joy is undealt with sin. Now, not just moral sin, because sin isn't just morality. It's also doctrinal sin. A lot of believers treat the Bible a little softly and a little lightly. And uh, you lose the joy when you do that. That's why I read, if we had time, it'd be a good study. Maybe uh, Mike may be teaching on, yesterday he took my teaching on Caleb and stole it from me. Uh -huh. Now you're going to do Saul today? No, no, <laughs> yeah. But um, Saul, Saul was not totally disobedient. He was like 97.5% obedient and calculating. 
Yeah, I killed them all. I killed all the cattle. The soldiers, you know how soldiers are. They, uh, yeah, they kept the best cattle. And we saved the king, Agag, because he bounces nicely, you know. And uh, so we saved him. And Saul said, disobedience is like the sin of occultism. Shush. That's a serious business. Tomorrow sometime, or Monday, Monday, if you're still around. I want to finish with this concept of the Word of God and its authority. That God sweats the details. He didn't put stuff in the Bible because he thought, gee whiz, how do we close this epistle? Oh, tell him to do this, you know. And uh, he just threw in a verse. There are some passages in the Bible that people often say, it's only mentioned twice, you know. So I've had people say that to me. I say, so how many times has God had to say something before you believe it's true? Yeah? Isn't once enough if the Lord says it? Twice is a lot. Uh, the second coming is mentioned like 300 times in the Bible and people ignore it royally. You never hear a sermon anymore about that. So they all wonder what's going on in the Middle East and why the Russians are in Syria and all that. If they'd only read the Bible and take it seriously, they'd realize, oh, wow, I see what's happening here. I mean, I may not have all the details, but I can see it. But you know, why does sin matter? There was a book by a professor from Wheaton College called Why Sin Matters. I, what I'm giving you is don't blame him for it. It just got me thinking uh, about it. Why does sin matter? And, and what kills the joy of many believers, it doesn't have to be some really horrible sin that even the unbelievers go, oh, wow, you know, that's bad, you know. Uh, some of the more vicious, you know, sexual things. or That can be too, of course. But it can be gossip. It can be, uh, you know, a, a, a sick curiosity of other people's personal life. Or anger that's out of control because a guy stumbled in, in, in a moral sense. But let me give you a few thoughts. And I don't have that much time, so I don't want to depress you, okay? Remember, this is in the context of the joy of the Lord. The joy of salvation. The joy of fruitfulness for the kingdom of first. Sin matters and is serious because it offends our creator. It offends our creator. It's like spitting in his face. When a person consciously sins, they're basically saying, God, I know that you don't like this, but on you, and spit in your face. I don't give a rip. I'm going to do it anyway. What are you going to do about it? It's, it's dishonoring our creator and offending him. The Bible says he is holy. And when we consciously sin and don't quickly settle it, we're really offending our wonderful father about which we sang so beautifully in worship a few minutes ago. Number two, I got to hurry, okay? You guys are all bright that you've been around. So this is more a reminder than a lesson. It demeans our own self-respect. When I sin, whether it's in temper or foul words even, uh, you know, impatience in my home, I'm demeaning myself. I'm sort of despising whom God made me. You and I are created in the image of God. And you remember it says in Jeremiah 1.5, one of my favorites, before I made you in your mother's womb, I do you. And before you were born, I separated you. I gave you a message to the nation. Think of the glory of God creating us in our mother's womb. 
Biologically, dad and mom did it. But the real us, soul and spirit, I believe the Lord created us. He says so. I made you in your mother's womb. So me, at least, I know he made me in my mom's womb. I don't know about yours, but I'm pretty sure I know. But you know, the Lord made us in his own uh, image, dignity. When I sin, I'm reducing myself. Number three, it hurts other people around us and their dignity also. When I scream or use foul words or show my temper or blame somebody around instead of taking responsibility, I'm really hurting other people around. That's why sin matters and it's not okay. Number four, we reap a steep price when we sin. We get into troubles that we can't explain. Uh, things happen and you wonder, why did this happen? And why did that happen? And it's that we became blinded and a little hardened. I better carry on just mentioning the, the list or I won't get to the end. When a believer says, and I've heard believers say this, I'm angry at God. To me, it's a shocking statement. You're angry at God, gee whiz. I'm sure the throne of God must be about to stumble because you're angry at him, you know. Ooh, the Trinity says, Joe Blow in, you know, California is mad at us. What are we going to do, you know? Like, but it's a strange thing to say, I'm angry at God. And then also sin is a certain lifelessness comes into a person who has unsettled sin. There's a lack of joy a lack of freedom, a lack of spontaneity in the Holy Spirit. Something strange happens. Also, one of the results of sin is an unexplainable, I put it this way, an unexplainable sadness, uh, sometimes because of false guilt, a sense of sadness that's hard to explain. So many people today seem to be sad, even among our circles. Why? One reason could almost for sure be undealt with, properly undealt with sin. Then it, sin matters because if unresolved, it'll send you to hell. I, yeah, I said it. Uh -huh. It's in the book. If I don't deal with sin properly and I die before I do, I'm off to hell. Unless I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, then the, the problem is, is different. Another effect of sin is a confusing double-mindedness. There seems to be a flip-flopping back and forth and a sense of insecurity about the walk with God and about uh, life and cho 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 choices that we make. The Bible says in James 1, you remember, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. There's a certain double-mindedness and a certain instability undealt with sin in our life and it needs to be dealt with in the present of the Lord. Then I think it creates, sin creates a parenthesis, I call it, in our growth, in our relationship with God. When you have undealt with sin, and again, it doesn't have to be adultery and fornication and some of the gross forms of sin. It may be that, but it doesn't have to be that. Undealt with sin in our life also brings a parenthesis in our growth. Our depth with God seems to be paralyzed. There seems to be a plateau suddenly hit. Then also, there's a sense of foreboding that comes without a possible explanation. A sense of 
Something isn't right. Uh, I don't, I'm fearful of this and that that could happen. And you can't even explain why you have that sense of instead of rejoicing in the Lord and the joy of the Lord, why is there this sense of uh, uh, foreboding? And then I've noticed when I and other people have not dealt with sin properly, there is a not listening to godly counsel. There's a sort of smirking and just saying, ah, forget it. I don't need anybody's counsel. I remember a young preacher that God used a lot in the life of our boys, and we loved him dearly, but we later found out that he was hiding certain things that were not godly. And one day I had to talk to him about something because he was working under my leadership in a mission. And uh, I called him. I said, Bill, blah, 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 you know. And then he went over to a soloist friend of ours, and he told me what Bill said. And Bill said, with Luis Palau around, who needs the Holy Spirit? Ha, ha, ha. And that, was, that was a nice smirking comment, you know. Uh, I felt I had to exhort him. I really prayed my heart out because he was, he was a tough guy like you, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, he was he a muscle boy with lift, uh, not you, but I mean him. Yeah, yeah he, he was always suntanned and bristling with muscles and he had short sleeves to see, let you see his muscles. So I thought, boy, if I exhort him, he's going to punch me. But... I had to tell him, but I thought that sarcastic comment tipped me off that something was going on. And eventually we did find out that he needed to be disciplined. So smirking comes. And then uh, I think when undealt with sin blurs your vision of God. You know, it really does. You just sort of lose your relationship. It, it matches a previous one that I mentioned. But I think that is very important. And then sin matters, and I'm going to put it theologically, because it took Jesus Christ to the cross. So obviously it's a very serious thing, a sin in our life. Because if the Son of God had to go to the cross for us, be born of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and uh, go to the cross just to deal with us and our sin. So there's more. And I realize probably this shouldn't have thrown it in this morning. But I wanted to put the balance between the joy and freedom of the Lord. And why do some believers not seem to be enjoying the beautiful thing that the Lord does? And so what is sin actually? I've got to quickly go down. But I feel I've got to close it up. And it's this. First, sin, many of you have heard this from the theologians, is missing the mark. Huh? You're shooting but you don't quite hit the mark. That's what sin is. Sin is also imperfection. And that we can't do much about. In sin did my mother conceive me. We come with a sinful nature, a fallen nature. And therefore, there is a tendency in all of us, each one in a different way, that we, uh, we, we, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Sin is disobedience. And I think I'll close with this and then wrap it up. I've been convinced about this, that when we think of sin, we think generally of moral issues. And of course, that can be a sin. But also, I think a doctrinal issue and our attitude to the Word of God can grieve the Holy Spirit. If we treat passages in the Bible that don't suit us or don't suit the culture around us at this particular time in history, we are actually sinning against the Lord, though it isn't the gross kind of sin that the Washington Post will tell your story in the front page. But, you know, so the, the point is that you and I have to deal with the issue. If we're not rejoicing in the fullness of Christ, if we're not rejoicing in what the Lord is doing, now, uh, it can get very tough, the whole what is sin. But the point I want to finish up with is this. Brothers and sisters, you and I have to be tough on sin, but not on the person who sins. 
Uh-huh. As an elder at our church for 40 years, things happen. Uh-huh. And uh, it's easy to be, get very angry. And it's easy to say, get this guy, you know. And uh, I remember when one choir director years ago did something he shouldn't have done, and we had to deal with it. I remember saying to our pastors, one of the elders, now, let's do it right for a change, <laughs> you know. Let's really do it right. So we called him in to chat personally. And this fellow was weeping like I've never seen a man weep in my entire life. For three hours, he sat in our living room with another fellow from the church. And he just wept and wept and wept. He was so broken by what he had done. I mean, he really was broken. So we called him in with the elders. And we said, you know, you're going to have to step down from leading uh, the church, the word is out, so we're going to have to explain it, but we'll do it with love. And you know, in Galatians, it tells us how to deal with somebody who has fallen in a, in a way that needs some discipline. It says, you know, you who are spirit-filled, deal with such a person with an attitude of patience and humility, lest you too be tempted. And you know, when we get super angry about somebody else who stumbles, we need to ask ourselves, why are you so uptight about it? Does it affect you? You know, oh, this is a horrible thing. Oh, this is, we got to deal with this. Come on, come on, calm down, okay? Judas Iscariot sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, people have fallen through the ages. And we are patient with a person and kind with a person. Just do unto others as you would they should do unto you. If you stumbled, how would you like to be treated? With mercy, with compassion, with humility, with restoration in mind. I shouldn't have gotten into these depths. I just realized I went too far. But it's, it's important to say, if I've lost the joy, it may be not a massive sin, but something that needs to be dealt with biblically in my own life as well as in the life of those for whom we are responsible when we're leaders in, 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 in the local church. But let's go back to the joy of the Lord, all right? And... As we send you off, go reminding yourself that the joy of, your, of the Lord is your strength, that it's your privilege, that it's your opportunity to glorify the Lord, and that we can be fruitful, joyful believers, both men and women, whatever our gifts may be or lack of gifts, the Lord will use us for his glory. But when we have to do, deal with sin in our own life or somebody else, let's do it right. Maybe I'll pick up on it tomorrow, a little tiny bit, just to close it off. Uh, I hope I didn't go too far without coming back to where we started. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Shall we? You dig it? Oh God, our Father, we confess before you this morning that truly it can be said of us that we are born with a fallen nature all the way to Adam and Eve. And it's been passed down, you tell us in Romans, from our forefathers all the way to us. And we know, like Paul said, that in me there, in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. We are our fallen creatures. But, oh, Lord, do we ever thank you. As we did when we started worship this morning, great is your faithfulness. You are a perfect God. You make no mistakes. And you're a merciful, gracious God. Oh, Lord, we thank you that we can rejoice every day, even into old, old age, because the Holy Spirit indwells us. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, 
self-control. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you for the good life you've given us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.